Christmas program that will take place, Lord willing, in January, I think January 10th. I'm never going to complain if we can extend Christmas out a little into January. Some will, but I will not. Uh, Let's begin in this time. Before I come to the Word, would you join me by bowing your head and let's seek our great God in heaven. You are our covenant God. You are our God, our Father. Hallowed be your name, and it's in your name, and it's in you that we seek refuge. Oh God, I pray that we would seek help and security and safety. And oh God, if, if we aren't there yet to seek refuge in you, would you grant that to us? I pray that you give us faith. Would you deliver and save and help, lest we be destroyed? Lest we, we be left to ourselves and just cold and uninterested in the things of God, which is a terrible place to be. No one stands before you unless we're clothed in your righteousness. And oh God, thank you that in Jesus Christ we come and in his name we come, confessing our sins, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us. Make us holy and loving and trusting and obedient and grateful and gracious with our words and contented and prayerful and giving. Oh God, be with our infants and our toddlers and little ones. I pray that you'd be with preschoolers and elementary and junior and senior hires and single and married and young families and older families, married and divorced, widow and widower, those that are grandparents and great-grandparents and empty nesters and healthy and sick, young and old Christians, mature and immature, unbeliever and doubting. God, would you come and meet each one of them specifically as they need. I pray that you would give us and give beyond that I could even request right now. I pray that you would be with our community and doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and hospitals. And I pray that you'd be with our local governments and our police and fire departments. God, I pray that you'd be with store owners and homeless, those who are feeling good financially and broke right now. I pray that you'd be with those who are sick and hurting and dealing with uh, cancer treatments. And I pray that you would be with those who are bereaved and sad and grieved by the loss of loved ones. God, I pray that you would be with our president and our president-elect. I pray for our Congress. I pray for our country as a whole. I pray that you'd have mercy on those that need wisdom, give them wisdom. Those that need, God, we need righteousness and holiness and faith. And I pray that you would grant it. Be with our churches in our area. God, would you just please work in all of the churches in our area. I pray that they would be faithful to the gospel. Not only in our area, but in Cameroon, in India, in Pakistan. I pray that you would do that in New Zealand, in Vanuatu, and everywhere else. God, would you make your name great and glorify your name. Give us here or watching on this, just a hunger for your name to be glorified elsewhere. Would you heal the sick? Remove this virus, the COVID-19 virus from our, our land. I pray that you'd move it so that 
Your name would be glorified. And before you remove it, I pray that you'd be glorified by the way we respond and help us not to, to waste what you have for us to learn in that as a church corporately and individually. Individually, help those right now, maybe watching, that are just brokenhearted and struggling. They're just overwhelmed with temptation or trial or hurt or abuse or pains from the past. Would you forgive sinners and help them feel forgiven in Jesus today? Would you bring repentance to those who are wickedly persecuting or hurting others? Help them to stop. And if, you, if they don't stop, I pray that you would judge them in such a way that others would see that you're a holy God and they would repent and look to you. Would you open now your word, Psalm 7. I need your help. We need your help to attentively hear it and then apply it to our lives. Not just in this hour, but it would just enter into our lives and we would love these truths and obey it and be armed for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text is Psalm chapter 7. We are now to the seventh psalm. We're going through all these psalms. And I would like you to look there and we're going to seek to apply this to our our lives this morning. Acts 16, you don't need to turn there, but in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul, the great missionary, the great once persecuted, persecuting Christians, now great missionary, in Acts 16 was with Silas, and after being lied about, and after being beaten and tortured, they were put in stocks, put in prison, and I'm sure a not comfortable jail in Philippi, at midnight it says that Paul and Silas began praying out loud and singing, and there was an earthquake. What would you do? Let me ask you this. What do you do when people are unfair to you, when they treat you bad, when you experience situations of injustices caused by people or systems and it really hurts, what do you do? Or what do you do when you face circumstances, just in general, it's not by people, but it's, man, you just go, I'm going through a trial and it hurts and I don't like it and it doesn't seem fair. Or maybe just even taking it more personally, spiritually, you feel like Satan is attacking you. He's tempting you with sin and trials and you just can't get over them. Maybe it's anger or bitterness or just the temptations of lust or whatever it might be. What what do you do when that happens? Well, I know what happened, what Paul did in prison, and I know what David did when he was facing injustices and false accusations. He wrote a song and sang a song to the Lord about his enemies, or at least about the situation that his enemies were putting him into. David didn't hold grudges. He he wasn't angry and bitter. Instead, he ran to the Lord. What circumstances are you facing this morning? Are you facing unjust systems or people? Are you dealing with unfair circumstances or just the attack, the 
the unrelenting attack by Satan in your life of just temptation and discouragement and accusation. David cried out to the Lord a song. Would you look at Psalm 7 and would you look at the very first title? These are, whether if they're not inspired, most believe they're very reliable and we're in the ancient Hebrew. My, my Bible says this at the very top, right under the big seven of, of Psalm 7. A shigion of David. We don't know what that means. Uh, maybe a musical term. Which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjaminite. Cush the Benjaminite. If you don't know who Cush the Benjaminite, that's probably pretty good because I don't either. In fact... And if you study your Bible, you won't know who Cush the Benjaminite is except from this one statement. Benjaminites were people from the tribe of Benjamin. That was Saul's tribe. Remember, Saul was the man who was king before David, who was David's father-in-law. And he hated David with a jealousy because David was popular and David was right with God and Saul hated it. Well, this tribe was against David in some ways. And all we can piece together is Cush lied about David, slandered David, and was part of a group that was a great threat to David, either before David became king, when David was on the run against Saul, or it could have been much later on, and I think this is more likely, towards the end of David's life, when David was being attacked by his own son and there was a rebellion, these Benjaminites seemed to come out of the woodwork and started to taunt David and started to slander him. And I think it's very possible Cush is there. Well, I think we should just stop and go, so what did David do? What did David do? He sang to the Lord concerning these injustices. This psalm is a song for us to learn when we're going through trials because people are treating us wrongly, unfairly. And I think we can, in a secondarily, secondary way, apply this to pe- just circumstances, trials that God has allowed in our lives that seem unfair. And I will apply it one other way. When we feel like Satan is just attacking us, attacking us and discouraging us and tempting us. We pick up Psalm 7 and we can be instructed. Let me read Psalm 7 and I want us to apply it by seeing some ways in which we can respond to God as our refuge. This is what David says. This is what David sings concerning Cush, the Benjaminite, and his words towards him. O Lord, my God, in you I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rendering it to pieces with none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I've done this, what what Cush has been saying, if I've done this, if there is wrong in my hands, or if I've repaid my friend with evil, or if I've plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, And let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. He makes an oath in these verses. His oath is, God, I'm innocent of what Cush is saying. If, 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 three ifs, if this is true, if I really have 
been evil and treacherous to my friends and my enemies in a wrong way, if, then let me receive the punishment that's due to me. Let them trample over and crush me. But God, I know I I am innocent. Verse 6, arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. And you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the people be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. The Lord judges the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the wicked come to an end. And may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts. O righteous God, my shield is with God who saves the upright. Hear him saying this? Oh God, now judge. Oh God, you're, you're my righteousness. I'm still trusting in you. You're righteous. You're going to right all wrongs. I look to you. Now to verse 7. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation. That is righteous anger every day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword and he has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and his own skull, his violence descends. And and then we pause. And he doesn't end there. I will give to the Lord. I will give to Yahweh, my God, the thanks due to his his righteousness. He is righteous. He is just. I will give him thanks for that. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. These are words that David sings to the Lord in the midst of his trial on the count of dangers because of Cush the Benjaminite. How do you respond? Well, I would say that God has instructions for us, the church, Christians that are believers, to take Psalm 7, to pray it, and to learn about God, and to learn in the midst of all the different adversaries and trials in our lives. And if you're here this morning or watching this morning or or whenever you watch it, you're hearing this, it could be that God is going to convict you and wake you up to see this holy God and get on your knees and find refuge in God in a little different way than David sought refuge. But here I want you to just see five ways in which David expresses, God, you are my refuge. God, in you do I take refuge. Let's begin with number one. We, he cried desperately, dependently for God for rescue. And I want to say to you, we need to cry dependently for God's rescue in our lives. See that in verses one and two? David says, oh Lord. He says, my God. Is he your God, friends? Is he your God? Can you say, oh Lord, my God. He really is my God. He's Lord. That word Lord in this passage, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, is always Yahweh. And it can only be used... It is the covenant God towards God's covenant people. God made a promise to them. And David says, you are my God and I in you, I take refuge. This idea of I'm this little eaglet 
in danger of a storm and I run under the wings of God who, who covers me with his wings like a, a mother eagle covers his, chick, his eaglets and he protects me from all enemies. I run to you and I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. We must hear from these first two words, and we find it out throughout the Psalms, this desperation. Are you desperate? If you're not desperate now, either you need to be desperate about something, because there's burdens in our lives if we wake up, and we should be desperate about them. Or you will face desperation, and we get on our knees like David and say, Oh God, help me. Save me and deliver me. Oh God, save me from the sin and temptation that I continue to fall in. Or God, there are people at my work. There are people in these different situations of my life, my home life as I come back to Christmas. It's so unfair. Abuse or mistreatment just keeps coming into my mind and my heart when I think of this situation. Oh God, and David cried out in the midst of his injustices and the lies that were told of him. And he says, oh God, save me. And you and I must do this. When you're hurt, if God is your refuge, you cry out to him. Is he your refuge? Is he the one you run to? Or are you trying to find it in some other way? Oh, look to God. He is a refuge to all who come to him, humbly before him. He saves his children. He saves those who run to him. Maybe, maybe this morning you're gonna, you hear these words of desperation and your cry of desperation is, Oh God, I have a child, a son or a daughter. I have a, a parent. I have somebody in my life, a neighbor who needs Jesus. Oh God, would you please do a work in him or her today? I need you to come. And unless you do it, we're undone. See David's desperation. He is so desperate. He says, if you don't rescue, I die. My soul will be torn apart like I as a shepherd once saw a sheep maybe torn by a lion. Just ripped, and ripped apart. That's how I feel unless you help me. This is the way God's people, we go to God. We keep going to God for refuge. Number two. The way we seek God for refuge, we express it by we examine ourselves honestly. When you're going through injustices and pains, you need to examine yourself honestly. Now, I see that in verses 3 and 5, in a, 3 through 5, in a very indirect way. In 3 through 5, David does, says this oath, like I described as I was reading this. David says, if I've... If I've been treacherous like Cush is saying of me, then I deserve this punishment. But God, you know my heart and you know in this situation I am innocent. David is not saying, God, I'm a perfect person. I am completely righteous. And in my own righteousness, I ask that you would vindicate me. David is not doing that. He will say in other Psalms things like, Oh Lord, if you should mark sins or iniquities... Oh, Lord, who would stand? Nobody. But with you there is forgiveness that you might be feared. Or in Psalm 143, he prayed, Give ear to my pleas, O God. Enter not into judgment with me, your servant, because no one living is righteous before you. So David knows he's a sinner, so he's not claiming sinlessness, but he's saying, in this case, my conscience is clean. 
I think that the point that we can, is whatever you're going to face, if you're not facing it now, you're going to face injustices or you're going to face just trials. And, and it is the right thing to do is to examine your heart and say, oh God, is there anything that I am guilty about? Is there anything that I cannot say? Is there anything going on that says, I am guilty of this. I do not have a clean conscience. David said he did have a clean conscience. In our lives, we can say too often, yes, this has happened, but I am guilty here. I need to confess my sins to the Lord. I think that the way Christians, and I would say all Christians who know Jesus, the way they get honestly examine themselves, they will find that they do not measure up to the mark of Jesus and of God and they get on their knees and they find themselves cleansed as they confess their sins to the Lord. When we face trials from people and improvidence and sin, we must run to God. And when we come to this holy God, we confess to Him and seek a clear conscience. That's how guilty sinners like you and me, anyone watching, have a clean conscience. We do it through confession of sins and forgiveness that is found only in Jesus Christ. There are two passages of Scripture you all need to know. You need to have marked in your Bibles or put somewhere or memorized because they're so helpful. I need them. I need them for myself. I need them for parenting. I need them for pastoring. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgression and will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Oh, what grace that is found in this. Proverbs 28, 13, just know it. Whoever conceals your sin, David learned that in other Psalms, he does not conceal his sin, he confesses. In this case, he's not guilty of this. The other is 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If you say that you do not have sin, you deceive yourself and you're a liar. And the truth is not in you, but if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, faith church, friends, look to God in Christ. Look to him for refuge. And when you look to him for refuge, your, your conscience will, might start going because you know you're not perfect and you know that you've messed up and you know there's some issues here. Get on your knees and cry out to God in confession of sins. Go to your God with these trials with a clean conscience, not because you're perfect, but because he's perfect and he cleanses you from unrighteousness if you confess to him. A third expression that I see in this passage is how we deal, how we show that God is our refuge in unfair times is we appeal for justice with a humble faith. And I see that in verses 6 through 10. You see the psalm David David says, arise, O God, lift yourselves up. It's, it's like God's sleeping, he feels like. And, and we surely know that God is never sleeping. He's always there. He's always working. But it doesn't it feel like it in our times where you're going through something and you've been praying and crying out to God over and over again and you come to a point where, God, I need you to work. It's, it's almost like, God, would you arise? Would you wake up? We need to pray that earnestly for our country. Pray that for our church. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for your friends. Well, David says, arise, O God, bring justice. Things are not right here. I am being treated wrongly, and the cause of God is being undermined. 
Please, God, come and rule rightly. And he, in these verses, he declares that God is a just God. He will bring justice. And he asks God for justice. And he says, oh, God, guard me. Guard me. Protect me. You're a righteous God. My shield, verse 10, my shield is with God. He saves the upright. I think it is right for us as Christians to, in the face of our enemies and our difficulties and our trials, if Satan comes at us, we say, oh God, rise and justly judge him. Bring righteousness. I plead your name. Please help and rescue. Cry out to God with the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done and in this situation. And when you do that, bring righteousness. If we live long enough and we open our eyes long enough, we're going to see and cry out when we see injustices, whether that be of the unborn or racism or the persecution of Christians all over the world. It might happen in our country in the years to come. And we will seek refuge in the justice of God, and that's how David prays out to the Lord. It is right for us to follow this, not by seeking personal vengeance. God, I just this person rubs me the wrong way at work. Will you just crush him and bring him justice? That's not what David does. David cares about the name of Jesus, and he cares about justice. You know, judgment is coming. And that is what the next point is is about. Justice is coming. Do you know that? I hope you know that. It is not always a warm, cozy thought, at least to a lot of us. I'll tell you what, it is really, really good news to some people in this world who are facing absolute devastation of property, of life, and health because of their faith in Christ, and they're thankful judgment is coming. David remembers this, and he speaks this to the congregation. That's number four. David says, remember that God will righteously judge unrepentant sinners. Here's, here's this for a prayer. When you're feeling persecution or just frustration and injustices, it might be from court system, it might be from people in your life, it might be from situations, and you're just, you're frustrated, get on your knees and remind yourself of this. Even tell God this. Tell yourself this. And I think that's what David's telling himself. He's saying, okay, David, David, remember. This is David talking. David, remember, as I'm remembering what Cush said about me and how he wants to defeat me, and he lied constantly about this. God is going to judge. God is going to judge. God is going to judge. And he's going to judge. And sin, what they're doing, they're rebelling and they're choosing their own ways. I need to fight against sin. I'm going to fight against sin because sin only leads to lie, lies that just falsehoods that trip me up forever. And sin is like digging a pit. And I think that pit's awesome. And it, I dig that pit. And it's a beautiful pit. And it's a great looking pit. And then as I finish that pit, I fall in that pit and I die. That's, that's what sin is. And God is going to judge all sinners. He, if they don't repent, he is going to wet his righteous sword and he is going to decapitate. He is going to bring destruction. That's what David says here as he encourages himself and reminds himself, my 
hope is in God, and I flee to him for refuge. See what he says here? Verse, if a man, God is a righteous judge, and he's a God who feels indignation every day. Is, it, is that your normal picture of who God is? Is, is it, he, he is a righteous God who feels righteous anger every day? All these verses are sharp and heavy. They're not popular in our day and age where everybody wants God to be a divine granddad who tut-tuts and pats people on the head and wants everyone to get along the best they can. Unless, of course, they're dealing with Hitler or a terrorist who has killed your family or a serial child rapist. Then we want justice. But you see, if God is a just God and he... He will and must condemn and bring punishment to all guilty sinners, big or small, from our perspective. Oh, we are to live in the righteous. We we must live as God is our refuge, and we must remember and be encouraged and warn others. I think this psalm, as we read it, is like, a warning to others. Like over here, you faith church, you watching, everyone here, God someday is going to judge sinners. You see it very clearly in verse 12. If a man does not repent, God will wet a sword. He will punish. He will punish. He is this righteous judge. Oh, that God would help. This, is, this might feel stern and difficult today. I tell you, Paul wrote a letter in 2 Thessalonians 1. They were being persecuted and hounded and hurt. He writes a letter and he says, Be encouraged. You are marked as worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're getting persecuted. And know it, know it right well that God will bring judgment on your enemies. Be encouraged by that. And he will, and he didn't use David's language, but it's as though he will wet his sword and afflict those who are disobeying Jesus Christ in the gospel. These are heavy and true words from God. In this paragraph, David reminds us that sin will be judged and sin is folly. God will judge. And the question for us is, what side of the judgment will we be on? We'll be on the side that is punishment or vindication and victory. Be warned. Repent. Christmas is awesome. I love Christmas season. But why is it really awesome? I mean, joy to the world. The Lord has come. God, rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinner reconciled. This week as a family, we were reading a John Piper devotional. and We read this. But in the midst of all this joy, there's a huge obstacle. Christmas. Our sin. Our separation from God because of our unrighteousness. How can a holy and just God treat us sinners with so much kindness to give us the greatest reality in the universe, his son, to enjoy with the greatest possible joy. 
And the answer is that God put our sins on His Son and judged them there because He is a righteous judge. He cannot forego judging. He is just and righteous and He must, just all, he must judge all sin. Christ bore our sins in His own body when He died, 1 Peter 2.24. He took our judgment, Romans 8.3. He canceled our guilt. And that means that our sins are gone. They do not remain in God's mind as a basis of any condemnation. In that sense, it's as though God forgets Jeremiah 31, 34. They are consumed in the death of Jesus. You see, this psalm causes us to go, God will judge someday. But it also is a warning to all of us, to anyone listening, are you on the right side of judgment? You can be on the right side of judgment, and the way you do that is to realize you're on the wrong side, and you fall on your knees, and you cry out to God, and you say, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I want you. I believe you. I trust you. And he will save you who change your life. And it is an act of surrender to him. Would you do that? Some of you have not done that. Or watching or listening. Would you please call on the name of the Lord today? He will judge you otherwise. He will wet his sword and execute. He is a righteous God who shows righteous anger every day. And will someday on that great day but he gives you mercy right now to receive him. Take that when you pray for the injustices that are coming upon you and thank him for his mercy to you. Thank him that he will bring justice. Which leads us to the very last point here is that the psalmist gives thanks. That's how he fin finishes this. He's like the Apostle Paul. Okay, Cush has been lying about me. Things are not fair. If, God, you don't intervene, I'm, I'm going to be destroyed. My soul is going to be torn like a lion. But, but I will give you what is due your righteousness, and that is thanks. Thank you for being righteous. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for being my covenant God. Thank you for never leaving me or forsaking me. Thank you for being my shepherd. You are the God of righteousness. You, that means that all, you will not make a, ultimately all those wicked people that hurt and destroy people, they will be shown the error of their ways. And those who have faithfully looked to you will be vindicated forever. God, thank you. And I praise you, you the Lord Most High. You are over all the nations. You are over all enemies. You are over Satan. You are the Most High. I praise you. Can we say that? Can we do that? This is the way, this is the way guilty sinners who get their consciences cleared and they run to God over and over for refuge. They give thanks to God even in the midst of being lied about, like David was being lied about. David writes this psalm when things hadn't got fixed yet, and he's still thanking the Lord. I hope you'll give thanks and praise to God because he will defeat Satan who fights you every day 
who attacks you day and night, keeping you desperately on your knees, confessing your sins, I hope, and crying out to God for help. Because he is righteous and just, he has forgiven you. This reality should shape the way you look at everything else. And I hope you will, if you haven't already, or once again you'll do it just in joy, renewing what he has done already for you. You will give thanks by confessing that you have no other righteousness in yourself, but that you have received the gift of God, salvation, by trusting him and asking him to save you, and he'll save you. He could, he'll do that right now. He'll give you mercy and grace, and it's provided freely through Jesus Christ, the Son who died for our sins. Be forgiven in Christ and run to him for refuge. Run to him for refuge to be forgiven in Christ. If attacks and accusations are true and you're guilty, say, Lord, in God, you I take refuge. Jesus is my Savior. Help me and forgive me. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke 2. In Matthew 1, the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, your wife, Mary, will have a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, Jehovah saves, for he will save his people from their sins. And this son, this Jesus, this Savior, what did he do when he was on earth? First Peter 2 says, when he was reviled, he did not re revile in return. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree in order that we might die to sin and live to righteous, the righteous God. By his wounds, we were healed. We were all sheep running astray, going to be devoured. But we have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us as we finish the service with singing Lord of hosts. God, I pray that you would help our hearts to rejoice in you cry out to you for mercy and help and salvation and hope. Teach us and instruct us through Psalm 7 how to cry to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's stand together. Let's sing to the Lord who is our, our refuge.